You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. WikiLeaks releases more Vault 7 files. Are we talking about compromised supply chain or damp squib? NATO worries about Russian information operations. ISIS continues to push jihadist inspiration online, claiming the London killer as one of the caliphate's soldiers. Facil attribution can mislead, as seen in a surprising arrest. Comments on America's JobLink alliance breach. And Estonian experience suggests to the world that President Putin is a proud spirit who cannot endure to be mocked. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Friday, March 24th, 2017. Yesterday, WikiLeaks dumped the second tranche of the Vault 7 documents it maintains came ultimately from the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. Julian Assange's group is calling this set of files dark matter, and they're said to contain documents suggesting that the CIA was able to compromise Mac firmware if it had physical access to the devices. Apple thinks its product's vulnerabilities are overstated in the dark matter material. We Live Security glosses this as damp squib. But the more disturbing speculation in ThreatPost and elsewhere is the suggestion that intelligence agencies had access somewhere at some time to Apple's supply chain. Other Apple-related news concerns the threat from a group calling itself the Turkish Crime Family, which is demanding ransom from Cupertino. If Apple doesn't pay either $75,000 in cryptocurrency or $100,000 in iTunes gift cards, the Turkish crime family threatens to remotely wipe 300 million Apple devices. Apple's hanging tough. They say they weren't breached and that any iCloud credentials the criminals may have were obtained elsewhere, probably through password reuse. We heard from Fidelis Security's John Bambanek on the incident, and he's as skeptical as Apple about the threat. Quote, the hacker group is not following what's become typical operating procedure. For example, if this were a real ransomware attack, they would be communicating privately with the company they're targeting. Based on previous incidents, the current threat has all the hallmarks of a stunt. If they really have the ability to wipe iPhones, then they would have wiped a few already as proof of life. End quote. He advises due diligence and reminds anyone who gets this sort of demand that paying ransom only serves to increase the threat. NATO continues to worry about Russian information operations and how to counter them. U.S. Army General Curtis Scaparotti, currently serving as Supreme Allied Commander Europe, is advocating a more concerted effort to counter Russian government disinformation aimed at the European members of the Atlantic Alliance. 
He particularly recommends that the U.S. government reinforce the Russian Information Group, a joint SACUR State Department operation, and the State Department's Global Engagement Center, which he says is not robustly supported. The other very different information campaign currently threatening the civilized world is, of course, the one being mounted by ISIS. The terrorist group has claimed the radicalized London jihadist as one of the caliphate's soldiers. ISIS continues to emphasize radicalization, recruitment, and inspiration. That third goal, inspiration, is expected to grow in importance as ISIS continues to lose territory and fighters in its core areas of operations. Informed observers think that ISIS as a pseudo-state is on its way to oblivion, but its messaging and attendant terrorist diaspora will trouble the world long after the endgame in Syria. It's also likely to be passed on to successor groups. As British police roll up suspected associates of the London attacker, another case points out the dangers of hasty and facile attribution. Jewish community centers in the U.S. have recently sustained a wave of violent threats that happily have not been executed. In this case, the usual suspects would probably have been all the wrong suspects. Israeli police have arrested a Jewish man with dual U.S.-Israeli citizenship on suspicion of having been the one communicating the threats. By all appearances, the man in custody appears to be a maladapted misfit, perhaps actuated in part by his rejection for military service. So again, a tribute with duly skeptical caution. On Wednesday, the AP reported that America's JobLink Alliance, provider of a nationwide employment service for job seekers, had been compromised by a malware infection. Personal information from people seeking jobs in at least 10 states, Arizona, Arkansas, Delaware, Idaho, Illinois, Kansas, Maine, Oklahoma, and Vermont, is thought to have been exposed. The breach remains under investigation, and officials are advising anyone who used the systems to review their bank and pay card accounts. Reaction from the security industry has been decidedly jaundiced. Vasco Data Security's John Gunn calls it entirely unacceptable that an organization should fail to secure personal information properly. Quote, this is adding injury to misfortune. Not only are these people out of work, now they have to worry about identity theft for the rest of their lives. The final insult is the referral to credit monitoring services where the victims can pay for ID theft protection. End quote. New Data Security's Lisa Bergen agrees that targeting vulnerable job seekers seems especially awful. She thinks that every organization entrusted with personally identifiable information needs to constantly test and harden its external and internal defenses. And free credit monitoring, she adds, is unlikely to be of much help. A better course of action is a credit freeze, and those responsible for losing the data should consider offering it for free. A quick look at our CyberWire events calendar. The second annual Billington International Cybersecurity Summit will convene in Washington, D.C. next Thursday, March 30th. And the Cybersecurity Summit will connect senior-level executives in Atlanta, Georgia, on April 6th. We'll be covering some of next week's events as well. In addition to the Billington International Summit, we'll be in Silicon Valley next Tuesday and Wednesday for Cynet's annual ITSEF conference. And then we'll head to Tucson over the weekend for the Women in Cybersecurity Conference. Stay tuned for coverage here and in our daily news brief. And finally, we return to countering Russian information operations. Estonia may have some valuable lessons to share in this regard. The Christian Science Monitor's passcode service has an interesting overview of those lessons. In particular, the Estonian experience appears to suggest that the Russian government is especially vulnerable to humor and satire, 
and that the U.S. government shouldn't hesitate to go negative early and often. We'll try to do our bit with humor. Knock, knock. Kato on. Our linguistics staff tells me that's Russian for knock, knock, but honestly, if you asked, I would have guessed Klingon. Anyway, we got nothing. These information operations are always harder than they look. Maybe the State Department could find some gag writers on Joblink. Oh wait, Cozy and Fancy probably beat them to it. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Rick Howard. He's the chief security officer at uh, Palo Alto Networks. He also heads up their Unit 42 Threat Intel team. Uh, Rick, uh, you've got some updates for us today on the Cyber Threat Alliance. Some good stuff happening there. Yeah, we made some big announcements at the RSA conference a couple of weeks ago. And uh, starting at about last summer, um, the Cyber Threat Alliance as an organization has made some exponential moves forward, uh, culminating in all these announcements at the RSA conference. So let me just kind of go through them all. Yeah. Uh, the first one is the original founding members, plus a couple of new founding members that I'll talk about, put some money in to invest in this thing to make it a nonprofit. So it is now a nonprofit company officially. So it's an officially an organization on its own run similar to what an ISAO or an ISAC would be. So and that took a long time to get that done with the help of uh, Booz Allen Hamilton helping us with the governance model of that. So that part is done. Very excited about that. At RSA, we announced the new president of that's now new nonprofit. His name is Michael Daniel, and he is the former cybersecurity czar for President Obama. So we feel very fortunate uh, that he has come on board to lead this thing into the future for us. Um, those two new board members I was telling you about, the original ones were uh, Fortinet, Intel Security, Palo Alto Networks, and Symantec. 
But when we went through this process to form the nonprofit, uh, Checkpoint came on board and Cisco came on board. So uh, some big heavyweights in the cybersecurity industry uh, banding together for this alliance to make all of our mutual customers better. So, uh, again, pretty happy about that. And then uh, two more things, two smaller things, but uh, it's great that we have these. We brought on three new members uh, just for sharing members. The RSA company, not the conference, joined us. Rapid7 and Insights. Insights is an Israeli company. And they joined the original contributing members, Barracuda, Zscaler, Reversing Labs, and Telefonica. So we're very happy to have those guys on board. And the very last thing that I, and I've talked to you about this before, is uh, the idea of sharing adversary playbooks. Yeah. Well, we've rolled out a new sharing platform to all the members called the Cyber Threat Alliance Platform Version 2 that facilitates the sharing of adversary playbooks. So uh, what, the bottom line to all this is that uh, the Cyber Threat Alliance is now a thing and expect good things from it going forward. All right, and you can uh, find out more about it at cyberthreatalliance.org. Rick Howard, thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. My guest today is Chris Roberts. He's the chief security architect at Acalvio Technologies and a popular speaker at security conferences around the world with a reputation for having a direct and unfiltered style when sharing his perspectives. If you take a look at what is being sold and what is being uh, what is being touted by a lot of the vendors, the propaganda that, that's being put out, the concern is is they're throwing around the words machine learning and artificial intelligence probably a little more freely than I think most of us would prefer them to use. Uh, Talk to a lot of the vendors out there about you know what do they can what do they define as AI? What do they define as machine learning and Unfortunately, most of them, it just seems to still be very, very rule-based. You know, the, the whole genesis of their architecture comes down to an if and or not statement, which mm. isn't true AI and sure as hell isn't really machines learning. You know, you take another step back and you go down towards what the DARPA project actually put together, uh, the Grand Cyber Challenge. And, and that is where you're starting to get more intelligence and the actual machines themselves understanding both defensive and offensive tactics and actually being able to react accordingly without necessarily the restraining rules that most of the vendors are putting around something. I mean, they had a lot more free reign and the architecture was built a lot more freely, whereas most of the vendors and most of the systems don't want to tread on anybody else's toes and spend a lot of time actually just building architectures that, that don't necessarily have good heuristics. They're still based on a very, very structured learning architecture. 
when you see a lot of the security fence guys go, hey, we have, you know, built in AI to help you, you know, understand and track attackers. It's like, well, you know, are you doing anything more than a set of fluff and splunk rules? Or, you know, do you actually have intelligence built in there? Or are you now using machine learning and AI in place of big data because everybody's gotten fed up of hearing the words big data? <laughs> With all of the technology, we still have these basic problems of the insider threat, either intentional or otherwise. And so this this notion of, um, you know, people being one of the weakest links in the chain, where do you come down on that? Oh, I mean, it's it's huge. I mean, again, 20 years plus, and we still haven't figured out how to protect a basic password, let alone, in many cases, actually understanding that that is still the keys to the kingdom. I mean, we still engage in pen tests and assessments on an extremely regular basis. We'll walk into a client and we've got a list of, you know, three, four, five thousand default passwords that they'll have on any of their regular enterprise, scalar, ICS, IoT devices. And 99 times out of 100, we can pop the architecture simply because they forgot to change the basics. So it's not even a fact that they've not actually defined passwords correctly. It's they haven't even changed the bloody default ones that are sitting all over the Internet in the first place. So where do we have to go? We've got to go somewhere different. I mean, you know, again, another another test that we've done a few times now with organizations is we'll approach members of their staff and of their team. And you start taking a discussion with somebody and I think the statistics are now that the average cost of a password, if I need to buy it rather than crack it, is $1,000. So worst case scenario, I offer, I offer somebody a set of crisp 100s, and I walk into the enterprise with their password and their credentials. There's got to be a much better solution. I mean, there's got to be the, – the, the problem is, is when we start looking at the alternatives, you start looking at any kind of potentially biometrics. You start looking at any kind of – you know, two or three or multi-factor solution, and then you start entering into the realm of a national identity, or maybe the corporation holds some level of biomatter on you, or some kind of other very, very sensitive information on you. But I mean, do we have to go to that one? Do we start looking at, you know, I've got one of my systems has keyboard biometrics on it, so the only way the, the only way somebody gets in is if they a know the password and they can b type the bloody thing in the same manner. So you've got to put a better set of combinations in place, or you remove passwords altogether and you start building in something to do with you know same with the military. You've got the cat cards with the military. You know at least it's something you have, and yes, you have to have something else with it, but you remove the human a little bit more effectively from it. Looking forward, what are the take-homes? What are the things you think people should be thoughtful about? People need to ask more questions, um, whether it's listening to the propaganda getting put out by the latest companies spouting AI or machine learning or user behavior analytics or next generation IPS or any of that other BS. I wish people would ask more questions. You know, when my mother picks up the phone and she's told it's, you know, the director of MI6 is calling her to tell her that, you know, she needs to press these buttons on the computer and tells them to go pound sand because she asked more questions. That's what I, that's what I really, that's all I can ever ask for at the moment. Do I really believe that this day and age we are going to get the entire, you know, network of systems talking together? I think eventually, but I think for the minute that the best we can ask is that people ask a few more bloody questions rather than trusting everything that comes out or trusting and maybe doing a one-time verify 
continual verification and just continually questioning. If we can get people to do that, I think we're on the right road, to be perfectly honest. That's Chris Roberts from Acalvio. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.